0: Thank you for joining us today for this episode in CIFMA's podcast series. I'm Ken Benson, President and CEO of CIFMA and CEO of the Global Financial Markets Association. GFMA represents the common interest of the world's leading financial and capital markets participants and provides a collective voice on matters that support global capital markets. The GFMA is the global arm of AFME in Europe, in the UK, a CIFMA in Asia, and CIFMA in the US. GFMA has long focused on the issue of climate finance and our member firms have increasingly committed capital and resources to the development of the sector to meet policy goals and client demand. This report follows on various work streams undertaken by the GFMA since 2015, most recently a survey of leading financial services firms conducted in 2019. We're here today to talk about the new report GFMA wrote in collaboration with the Boston Consulting Group, Climate Finance Markets and the Real Economy, Sizing the Global Need and Defining the Market Structure to Mobilize Capital. This substantive report is based off interviews conducted this year with more than 100 market participants globally, including financial leaders, non-financial corporates, and asset managers, and outlines the current state of the climate finance market, capital demands to meet policy goals, and recommendations to adapt our market structure to meet that capital demand. I'm pleased to be joined today by Allison Parent, Executive Director of the GFMA, and Roy Chaudhry, Managing Director and Partner at Boston Consulting Group to discuss all of this. Allison and Roy, welcome. So let's get started. In short, the report provides a roadmap for how to accelerate the evolution of climate finance and defines the roles capital, the roles capital market participants can play to facilitate this transition. Uh, what was the impetus for producing this report? Why now?
1: This report was meant to build upon the collective action of our members um, with their clients and then the other studies that are out there to try and provide a point in time kind of uh, reflection on where the market structure is today and where it needs to be to truly support the transition to climate finance and the um, transition pathways of our clients and um, the demands of our investors.
0: You know, as we noted, the report is 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 quite substantive, clocking it at, uh, I think, 170 pages, and is based on, you know, as I mentioned, uh, interviews conducted with more than 100 market participants. Uh, I know it's ch- a challenge to summarize, but what are the key takeaways from the report?
2: Yeah, Ken, uh, g- good question. So as you mentioned, we interviewed a range of market participants from banks, asset managers, non-financial corporates, uh, international standard-setting bodies, And there were key themes that we consistently heard, which which show up as takeaways in the report. The first is the need for global public sector leadership. And there are many facets to that leadership that we highlight in the report. Uh, We did hear consistently the need for a consistent sort of carbon pricing framework at a high enough level to really direct the flow of capital to uh, finance climate change. We also heard the stability of public policy and and legislative solutions to uh, really support the growth of the climate finance markets. Um, We also heard that there has been significant developments and growth in the green bonds and green lending market, but that's not going to be sufficient to finance uh, the investments that are needed. Uh, We would need the growth and the scaling up across all asset classes, particularly around equity, just given the early stage of some of these technologies, equity will play a critical role. And I think the third important takeaway is the critical need uh, and the importance of Asia. We estimate that about $66 trillion of investment will be needed in Asia. So Asia is going to be a critical part of the solution. Also if you combine that with the uh, uh, early stage maturity and scale of capital markets in Asia, this this becomes a particularly uh, important challenge
0: um you know getting more granular you know the paris accord sets ambitious growth rates for the climate finance market uh you, you talked a little bit about this about this in terms of product but or structure but talk about the investment per year that this report estimates will be required for the climate market to be to achieve the level set in that accord yep So there are many sort of uh, investment uh,
2: needs that are out there, but I think this report is distinctive as we really break the investment needs by industry sectors, by region, and then each of the decarbonization levers. So as part of this report, we have estimated a total investment need of 100 to 150 trillion over the next three decades. That roughly translates into a three to five trillion investment need per year we also highlight that this investment need is unlikely to be linear so the uh, inability to take action over this next critical decade could lead into a significantly higher investment need in the future uh, in the in the report we also highlight the need for a range of asset classes not just uh, not just fixed income securities so we break the investment need by fixed-income securities, equity, and bank-intermediated lending, in addition to structured product securitization and derivatives, which will all play a very important role. Uh, The biggest investment need we have is in power and electrification as a decarbonization lever, which is probably not surprising. That is the uh, most significant investment need from a decarbonization lever perspective and from a region we believe Asia will be uh, a significant chunk, as I highlighted earlier, around $66
0: You know, achieving that pace and scale of growth in climate finance will require fundamental changes to the current financial market structure to enable the needed efficiency, transparency, and scalability to address climate risk. This necessitates uh, concerted and coordinated action by all stakeholders, the public sector, as you mentioned, real economy sectors, and the banking and capital market sector private and institutional investors and asset managers and the social sector to support the development of a a, uh, climate finance market structure. As such, can you walk us through some of the core recommended actions the report lays out to make this a reality?
2: Uh, I think one of the key recommendations for the public sector is really a legally enforceable, comprehensive, and sufficiently high level of uh, carbon pricing. We believe it to be foundational to really direct the capital flows, uh, the second recommendation we have for the public sector is really the mobilization of uh, public capital through blended finance solutions. So a uh, partnership between public and private uh, financing solutions is going to be uh, going to be quite important. Uh, and, and finally, for the public sector, we highlight really the need for incentive structures and accommodative sort of fiscal policies to really support. I'll maybe pause and give Alison an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I would build on that and just saying that um, the report also emphasizes the importance across policy initiatives to need to be um, sector, region, and even corporate specific. Um, One of the things a key risk identified to the efficient scaling of the climate finance market is the need for policymakers and the broader society to consider the role that financial market participants currently serve supporting the broader economy and the economic policy frameworks that underpin and will need to align um, with Paris Agreement targets. Um, Currently, many counterparties utilizing low GHG emission business models are economically uncompetitive due to the absence of carbon pricing. And there are also counterparties where the sector, counterparty or the region, have yet to identify viable transition pathways to a low GHG business model. Once these level playing, um, once the level playing field and the transition pathway questions have been addressed, this will unlock the pipeline of investment and financing opportunities for banks and capital market participants with the financing needs, uh, financing proceeding on an economically sound basis, which is super important. Um, in the report, in addition to the 12 recommendations, we do a deep sector dive. Um, across uh, 10 sectors representing 75% of um, the carbon footprint. Um, The the final section of the report is called the call to action. And the reason it's a call to action is because it needs a concerted and coordinated action um, to help mitigate substantial mispricing and potential financial stability risks. Which would undermine the long-run ability of the financial system to direct finance to fully support the Paris-aligned transactions. So the recommendations should be read um, collectively and um, and emphasize on the need for action sooner than later to really try and meet these um, uh, meet the objectives of the Paris Accord.
0: So uh, uh, Roy and Allison, this is a, a great. A great summary. I mean, there's there's so much in this report. As I said, it, it's quite uh, it's quite a document, and and I commend it uh, to all of our listeners. Um, uh, but before we go, you know, Allison, what's upcoming for GFMA in this space, and and how is the organization planning on using this report?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have already shared it with um, some of our partners in the regulatory community that are actively looking at these challenges and these issues. Um, We will be using this in um, talking to, uh, I know our members will be using it in talking to their clients to help kind of identify what's happening in the market structure. We will be working with our members in 2021 on how do we try and um, move forward and take proactive action um, to address these constructive recommendations. Um, there's one one recommendation that we had in the report that is, you know, a very live debate right now is around disclosures. And, um, you know, I think this report helps us build on um, the work that's been done to date it emphasizes the importance of data that is necessary to drive kind of the metrics, which is tied to this question of disclosures. Um, Our disclosure recommendation emphasizes the importance that um, the uh, disclosure should be focused on decision-relevant climate data, and in the need for the regulators to appreciate um, as we move forward that, you know, this very much is a regional sector-specific and, and even for disclosures, a corporate specific issue. Um, and this ties to the question on taxonomies. There's a lot of discussion about taxonomies in the last few years. And the reality is we're at that stage where to make the transition pathways really work, um, we need to be thinking about taxonomies in a constructive way in kind of a sector specific. So we're hopeful that these sector deep dives that we've done here will help um, the regulators, the industry, as well as the, uh, the real economy to appreciate kind of the different um, drivers and incentives that are necessary to really kind of um, help identify um, efficient transition pathways to address the, the climate, um, the Paris Accord Agreement.
0: Well, with that, uh, thank you very much, Allison and Roy, for joining me today. Uh, great uh, report, and great to be talking about it. And to read the report and learn more about GFMA's work related to sustainable finance, visit uh, gfma.org/global-market-policy/sustainable-finance. Uh, and uh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you.
1: Thank you.